Josh Breyer joins me today on the Anthony Bradley Show. He is from the Phi Delta Theta Fraternity at the University of Arkansas, also known as Phi Delta. And he will be having a discussion with me about what it's like to be a Christian in a fraternity, especially in a fraternity at a large state school like the University of Arkansas. Now, Josh and I will be discussing the challenges and opportunities of being a Christian in Greek life and why Christian parents need not be afraid of letting their sons join them. Thank you for joining us for this important conversation. Josh Breyer from the University of Arkansas, thank you for joining me on the Anthony Bradley Show today. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. So can you tell us just a little bit about where you're from and how you ended up at the University of Arkansas? Really, really curious about some of the background there. Yeah, so I grew up in Springdale, Arkansas. So I'm literally right up the road. My parents' house is about 20 minutes away from campus. So I, you know, I had Arkansas as a as an option in high school a little bit and kind of looked at a few different colleges, you know, JBU, small college in Salem Springs. And then I looked at Samford in Alabama. And so, you know, my older brother came here and had a really good experience. And so you know, I always knew that Arkansas was a was a great place and heard a lot of good things about the campus. So when I was in high school, kind of deciding whether I want to go to Arkansas, I think as around approach senior year, it became a little bit more evident that I wanted to, this is where I wanted to be based on just, you know, the campus experience I've heard from other people. And they also just have a really good business school. And so Arkansas is just a great place. Um, it's a natural state and there's a lot of fun outdoor activities to do. This place is home for me. I hear that over and over and over again. Whenever I interview someone from Arkansas, from the university, you all basically all say the same thing. We mm-hmm. love the state. I didn't want to really leave the state. I thought about leaving the state, but after I thought about it, this is the greatest state in America. You guys love the state of Arkansas, which is really, really, really fantastic. Can you can you tell us a, a little bit about, about your role on campus now and Greek life? You kind of wear several different hats. What are you what are you up to right now? Yeah. So right now I just finished uh, my term as vice president here at Fidel. And so we had elections about two weeks ago and kind of just transitioned into our upcoming sophomores that are taking over. And then I'm also involved um, with IFC. So I'm I serve as the internal vice president for the Infraternity Greek Council. And so I got elected back in November, but my my duties kind of started this January. And so about this semester, I've been putting a lot of time towards that and yeah, just serving on the Greek Council these past four months. And what made you want to serve on the IFC Council? I've seen a lot of just growth in people that are older than me that have served on the Council and just something that I was attracted to, obviously being able to give back to the community and get to serve on the Council that I'm a part of and obviously just get to represent, you know, FIDO as a chapter itself. And just getting to work behind the scenes with, you know, our assistant vice chancellor, Paris of Greek life, and just some of the staff in the Greek life office. It's really been cool to just be behind the scenes and kind of put in the work to kind of make what Greek life is at the University of Arkansas. You know, we have 14 chapters, fraternity chapters. And so just being able to represent all the chapters as a whole, as a council is is truly something special to be a part of. And yeah, I get to serve with 10 other guys that are on the exec board with me. And it's just really cool to be able to to work together as a team and get to put things together and think of ideas and new, yeah, just new creative ideas that we can implement to make the Greek system better here at, at the University of Arkansas. 
And you're majoring in what? Business management. So how do you how do you manage your school responsibilities and Greek life, being a brother, but also serving on IFC? How how does that work for you? It definitely is a lot of time. It's a very it's a very big commitment, and I knew that going into it. But it's something that I was passionate about and being able to just be on the board and serve. And so, you know, I think with, you know, coming into college, like my time management skills were obviously not the best. And so that was something that I definitely learned my freshman year, just being, you know, a freshman here on campus and learning what it looks like to manage time and manage, you know, extracurricular activities and things that I'm involved in. And so it's really not easy to say the least. I'd be lying to you if I say it was easy. But there is just priorities and, and obviously school is one of my priorities. And that's why I'm here on campus is to to go through school and earn a degree. And so I obviously put school before anything. And so, you know, which is awesome that Greek life is in itself, like grades are a high standard for a lot of, if not all the, the chapters. And so we really do strive for excellence in our grades, which is something that I'm truly grateful for. Other guys, you know, have the same standards for grades in itself. So it really, it is easy to be, to get yourself overcommitted and to be super busy. But overall, I feel like, yeah, if I just keep school up there at first, then everything else kind of falls into place. And after you graduate, what are you thinking about doing? I'm still a little undecided. Um, I actually recently had a kind of a job offer, this guy that works um, up in Northwest Arkansas that does real estate development. I have contacted him and, and potentially doing an internship with him. So this summer and into the fall. Okay. Great. When you were in high school, so you, you sort of grew up in the greater university of Arkansas area, which some would probably say is the whole state of Arkansas actually. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. So were you thinking about being in a fraternity when you were in high school? Was your dad in one, do you siblings? Like what, what were you thinking about in high school at all? I was a little bit. Yeah. So my, like I said, my older brother, he's 26 now. He came to Arkansas and was a Lambda Chi. I had kind of been around uh, the campus and, you know, when they had family, family day and family weekend, I would be on campus and, you know, get to visit him. And so it was always something that I, you know, could see myself doing, but I wasn't, I didn't really know if that's kind of the life I wanted to be a part of being raised in a Christian home. And so it was always just a, a thought in my mind, but never like fully committed. Like, hey, I want to, I want to be in a fraternity one day. You mentioned that you were you were raised in a Christian home. Can you can you tell us about your sort of faith journey? Did you become seriously committed to Christ in high school when you were little? Like, how did that happen? Because one one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you is because you're a very committed Christian, and you're in a fraternity. And you're in a regular fraternity, not a Christian fraternity, because th- those those do exist. And a lot of people have reservations about letting their sons be in fraternities. I really wanted to talk to you because I'm really curious about how you were able to manage that. I'm curious also about just your background in terms of your own faith and how that how you transition into a fraternity with a, with a faith commitment. Because most people today assume it's impossible. I, I don't believe it is, but most people you know, assume that their son's probably going to lose his faith uh, in the, in the context of, of fraternity life. So I'm curious to know, like, have you, had you always been a Christian? Did you get serious at some point? Like how did, how did that, what was it like sort of growing up in your home and church and things like that? Yeah. So I was raised in a, in a Catholic home. My parents were both Catholic. And so, you know, I'd heard 
the story of the gospel many times growing up and just being yeah, raised in a Christian home with um, great parents that have that set high standards for myself and for my brothers. And so it really wasn't until high school, um, my ninth grade year, when I was sought out by an older guy named Caleb Freeman, who started to disciple me and throughout high school really showed me the picture of this is the true gospel and this is who Jesus is. And this is what he's done for us. Um, and this is how we should live. And so we kind of just got to walk through week by week. We'd meet at a coffee shop early on Thursday mornings. And yeah, we would just walk through scripture and what God's word says and just letting the truth convict me in areas of my life. And it was really just a good time of growth throughout high school in terms of, hey, this is where, this is what I want to put my faith in. Um, and I want to place my faith in Jesus and live for that. Obviously throughout high school, still struggled a lot in many areas of my life. Like we all do, you know, coming into college, it was, it was easy to, to know that I wanted, like I knew what I was looking for, obviously going into rush uh, after I decided to rush. And so, you know, I knew that I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be like the guys that were older, that were rushing us guys like Joe Hewitt, Isaac Hannon, guys like that, that were following the Lord and that were having fun at the same time. And so I really got to see that by hanging out with them kind of in the middle of junior and senior year. And so, yeah, that was a time where I got to see like, hey, these guys are studs. These guys are what I want to be like, especially in a fraternity scene. And, you know, that just also just gives me hope of like, hey, these guys are living it out and they're having fun and they're also making an impact in their fraternity. And so I got to see that. And it was definitely something that I was attracted to. The big part of why I rushed Fidel itself. But yeah. Yeah. So you were able to see that a, you know, several things that you, you said, right. Uh, you can be a part of a brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also continue to have fun and maintain a commitment to your faith. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can do that simultaneously without giving any of that up, uh, which is, which is super, super cool to, to hear and probably incredibly encouraging. Right. Because you saw these older guys who were able to to do that. I want to go back to something that you said earlier. I'm, I'm really curious about your high school experience, because you said that there was this friend that you had who met with you on Thursday mornings. And you said he was an older guy. How much older was he? Yeah. So he was he was about 28 when we started meeting um, and I was in ninth grade. OK. And then how did that happen? Yeah. So he actually works at Fellowship and Rogers, the church. Uh-huh. I'd been to a couple of retreats and weekend retreats with. And so he'd actually just like texted my parents was like, Hey, can I start meeting with, with your son? And obviously it worked out to where my dad would bring me to the coffee shop on Thursday mornings in ninth grade. And we would meet together until, you know, obviously I could start driving in high school. And so it would be me and uh, one of my best buddies that actually goes to Syracuse that we would, we would meet on Thursday mornings with him. That's incredible. That's really incredible. That's rare. I don't know if you know that. That's really, really rare. So was this a part of a youth group thing or he just met with you, you and your friend because he wanted to? Was it part of a program or he just wanted to do it? He really just wanted to do it, but we were part of of cell group. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's a it's just like small groups that we do that are through fellowship, Bible church here in Rogers, Bentonville, and Fayetteville. And so he was kind of the leader of the kind of the head of all cell groups in Springdale. And so when he had heard my name, he's like, Yeah, I'd love to to reach out to him, which is a blessing. This is incredible. I've been telling people for years and years and years that this is the this is the model uh, rather than 
the sort of youth group model where you go and you sit in a room with a bunch of other teenagers and play a game <laughs> for two minutes and then you eat some Oreo cookies and chips and pizza. And then there's a skit, another skit, right? And then there's like a 10 minute talk and then you leave. The, this sort of one-on-one discipleship model is actually not only, not only biblical, uh, but the data is really clear. It's highly effective for sustaining faith through the late teens into the early 20s. So your friend really, really set you up for pretty long-term success, which is super, super awesome. Were your parents at all weary of you thinking about joining fraternity? Did you, when you told them, Hey, I want to, I want to join fraternity. Were they like, I don't know. I don't know, Josh, might not be a great idea. Or were they like, yeah, go ahead and do it. They were actually very supportive. They obviously, I think, yeah, just having an older brother that had already been through the process and just like they, them seeing that he had a great experience and a positive experience within Lambda Chi, I think, honestly, they just had no doubt and had no second guesses about me joining a fraternity. And so they were obviously very supportive and just rooting for me in the process, which is great. And they obviously trusted you, right? I mean, they must have had a lot of confidence that you were going to maintain the person that you had been in high school because they gave you the freedom to do it, which is quite quite an honor as, as well. And I'm wondering for you as a, you know, I mean, I went to Clemson and I was part of Greek life there. And, you know, in the South, in the ACC and the SEC, Greek life is Greek life. I don't care how many Christians you have in your fraternity or whatever, right? It's just, they're better iterations and worse iterations, but it's just Greek life. Right. And it comes with all of the the good things and some of the, the not so good things as well. And I'm wondering, as you went through the rush and the, the pledge process, what was it like being a Christian in that context where so much of the culture around rushing and pledging just in Greek life in general is not too supportive of the sort of morals and values that you have? How did you how did you navigate that? Yeah, to say the least, it is a difficult thing to do. It is very, very hard to want to go, you know, hang out. And like I said, like we have those, you know, pre-rush event parties, like kind of over the summer and guys are inviting you to stuff and bringing you in older guys. And so it can be very hard to want to go try to have fun at those events um, when you know that's kind of the culture going in. So when I would go in, you know, junior and senior year to to go to a, an event that someone was hosting, like it was just like my mind was just set on like, hey, I want to I want to spend these next four years with guys that I'm going to have fun with and that have the same kind of morals as me. And, you know, you'd show up to those those events and, you know, just seeing a lot of of brokenness around you and things that you're you may not indulge in or put your your time or effort into is obviously sad to see. And so that was something that it was it was hard to kind of navigate like hey i don't know if i really want to do this for the next 4 years of my life but the opportunity that comes with rushing in a you know greek council fraternity chapter there's a lot of a lot of potential and a lot of opportunity and so for myself kind of going into those events and just trying to meet guys that were kind of had the same worlds as me had the same background also had a faith in in our jesus christ and so that was something that i was kind of looking for and it was just very hard to find. Obviously, as you know, like the the culture is very minimal in the amount of you know how many believers are in a chapter, and so it makes it makes it really hard to try to find 
guys that are like you and find guys with the same morals and standards. And so, you know, sometimes you show up to those events and it'd just be like you and another guy talking and it'd be sometimes hard to like trying to want to go mingle with other guys and try to meet new people just because like you just really had no similarities or things in common. So when you try to talk to them, it's just like the basic questions like, hey, where are you from? Do you play football in high school? Like stuff like that, where it's like just the basic surface level questions and didn't really get to know guys that super deep and super intentionally. Um, And it was something that was just very hard kind of navigating through that process. But when I found older guys that I could hang out with, older Fidelts that were rushing me and kind of seeing that the group that they had together, that they could have fun together and don't have to do the stuff at the parties or the the events that um, everybody says is fun. And, you know, we would go to the lake and just go um, spend time out there and go out to eat and stuff like that and go bowling and things that were enjoyable together as as a community and things that I saw that were valuable and intentional and really just getting to know the guys really well. How would you describe what it was like to sort of, I guess, dance around the culture? Because I think I think for some parents, their imagination is that their son is going to be pressured into doing things that he doesn't want to do. And I'm wondering, how are you able to avoid being pressured to do things that, that you, you didn't want to do, whether it was binge drinking or hooking up with the girls or doing something really, really dumb that might get you arrested or doing drugs or something like that. How did you avoid some of those things? Yeah, I think it's really, you know, putting yourself out there at an early start, kind of just standing firm in what you believe was something that I found kind of looking back of like, hey, this this kind of helped. Um, this really helped me kind of get around and dance around that 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 culture um that society is is approving of and so you know i really it was it was definitely difficult like i said to to make friends and want to meet new guys because they knew like oh this guy doesn't drink and so when i tell people like hey no i don't want a beer you know they like question a little bit and be like why like dude let's have fun and so that was something that i was you know i wanted to stand firm in that and it was something that i believed in and so obviously with that comes a little bit of maybe disagreement or persecution or whatever you may call it. And so it's just kind of being okay with being uncomfortable. And for people that can be really hard, but it was something that I found when I knew that some other guys around me had the same morals and the same standards. It it was definitely a lot easier to be like, Hey, like we we're a group and we're a team here and we don't have to indulge in the things that all these other people are indulging in. And so it de- definitely makes it a lot easier when you have other guys around you to be able to walk in that light and walk in the things that you stand firm in. I think for some guys, there's a lot of pressure internally. Like if I don't do these things, I'm not going to get a bid. So even if they don't want to do them, they do them anyway because they want to get a bid and they want to seem cool. They want to see part. They want to seem like they're part of their brotherhood already. And so a lot of people compromise their own morals and their own conscience just because they want to make sure they get a bid. And I think for someone like yourself, you have to, as a Christian, you have to risk not getting a bid for the sake of what you said, you know, standing firm. So I'm I'm wondering what is it that you think allows you to to stand firm and not be afraid of, of not, of not getting a bid? Yeah, I think honestly, just the, the, the four years of high school that I was being discipled and meeting with with Caleb, I think really gave me a solid foundation of of what I believe and what I truly want to live for. And so, you know, just the 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 buildup of biblical truth and just memorizing scripture and memorizing the truth of what God says, like 
think those were the the main four years that I really saw where the Lord used me and really convicted me in areas of my life. And so, you know, by the time I got to to freshman year, I'm not saying that I was perfect in any way, but there was definitely a a there was definitely just a shift in the way that I viewed things and the way that I saw things. And it all came back to, you know, the things that I learned and the things that I wanted to believe in. And so just having those those biblical truths in my heart and stored in my heart. And I think that was the biggest thing of like, hey, I don't want to I don't want to change who I am just so other guys can think I'm cool. But I just want to stand firm in what I believe in. And if I don't get a bid, then I don't get a bid. But I think, you know, I've seen that kind of play out being a junior now in the past couple, you know, past two, two years of just seeing guys that I know that, you know, were pretty solid, I'd say, in their faith of going in like in high school and then coming into college and, you know, changing how they act um, just because they want to fit in. And that's also sad to see itself. And I would say for you know, just any guy that, you know, is a, is a Christian male that's um, wanting to rush a fraternity, you know, don't change who you are. I think, you know, the, the best thing about fraternities is you have guys from different backgrounds, different beliefs, and everybody's different. And I think when that, you know, comes together as one pledge class as a brotherhood, um, that's what makes up a, a really awesome brotherhood and um, just having different guys. And so it doesn't matter. Like you don't have to be the coolest person. You don't always have to be the funniest guy. And so, I think just being who you are and being you is the best thing that you can do. Yeah, I think you know so many guys feel like and and are are so stressed out and have all this anxiety about not eating a bed that they're they'll they'll just they'll cave like completely mm-hmm. cave right and just become a completely different person than they were before they got to college. And it is all because, like you said, they want to they want to completely fit in. And what's really interesting. And this is something that I've noticed as I've talked to a lot of guys like yourself who who have a lot of self-confidence. And as you mentioned, I think that that self-confidence was was tested and built over the four years of, of high school. So if you didn't get a bid, you said, ah, well, you know, big deal. I, I, I'm OK. Right. My, my, my life isn't over if I don't if I don't get a bid. You know, you were willing to take to take the risk because you were going to stand firm on what you believe. And and what I found over the years of having interviews with with a lot of Christian guys in fraternities is the other guys actually respect them because they stand firm on something. And it's not like, oh, we're going to reject him because he's a Christian. Now we know the boundaries around which we can even approach him. So we're going to we're going to respect those. We might make fun of him every now and then. Right. <laughs> but, you know, we're not going to we're going to push him, push him beyond what he what he wants. I think I think the the assumption sometimes is that that will happen. I think you're spot on with the need to to don't change who you are and to find a chapter that allows you to be who you are. And one of the things I've been I've been talking to chapters about is to just ignore the ranking all these all the sort of ranking numbers and rumors about who what the top fraternity is who cares right it's just completely irrelevant you need to find a brotherhood that allows you to be the, to be the person that you are to maintain your values and also have a really really good time while you are in, in college and so has it has it been easy or difficult or or what what have been some of the challenges now that you're junior sort of the last couple of years in a fraternity as a brother, has that, has that created any, any tensions or has it been, been fine? Yeah. So I'd say 
obviously kind of going back a little bit to freshman year, you know, as a, as a freshman pledge in a fraternity, you know, you do see there's a lot of different cultures that are built um, within fraternities all over um, the U S. And so, you know, I'd say here in Fidel, our culture maybe wasn't the best with upperclassmen to lowerclassmen. And so as a freshman that doesn't drink, you know, that can be, it was honestly pretty tough. And just being in that position of, I'm going to stand firm. And if these guys make fun of me, then, you know, that's the kind of life that I live freshman year. And I'd say as, you know, sophomore year, I'd say just an example of, so I was a, a pledge trainer for um, the freshman guys with two other guys that I served with. And so, you know, there was decisions that we, us three guys had to make as a team that sometimes we would hear retaliation from our guys in our own pledge class. And so that was a, a pretty, pretty tough challenge that we had to go through and walk through just based on, you know, things that we believed in and opinions that we had, obviously for the the safety and betterment of our chapter. And so, you know, you always hear even from guys in our own pledge class, like, oh, y'all are soft. Y'all aren't smart enough to, to be in this position, stuff like that. And so there are definitely things that I've, you know, experienced firsthand just from being in a leadership role and maybe not always a leadership role like freshman year, but just things that you hear um, from other guys just based on what you believe. And I'd say, you know, I've really been blessed with um, community here at Fidel and I've really got to see the Lord work in, you know, multiple guys' lives, not only here in Fidel, but from all the chapters here on campus. And it's been really cool to see the Lord lift up guys and in, in chapters that are, you know, wanting to do ministry um, and, and to pour into other guys and share their faith. And so I have truly just been blessed these past three years with other guys that have, you know, that are running the race alongside me that are living for the Lord. And so it it has made things a little bit easier, I'd say, just in terms of disciplines that you have and commitments and, you know, all the busyness. And obviously I'm living in house uh, with my roommate who's a believer and man, just makes things so much easier in your walk with the Lord. And, you know, the, the, the past two years, you know, I lived with two non-believers my freshman and sophomore year, both intentional, but it definitely, I've seen the, the fruit and the difference that it makes um, living with a guy that definitely has the same heart that you have. And, you know, there are different challenges that come within being in a leadership position. Like I said, like serving as vice president this past year, you definitely see, you know, even some younger guys that live in house of them just maybe not agreeing with what you agree with. And you just have to, you have to be okay with sticking up for your opinion and sticking up for what you say. And the goal isn't to, to ruin any relationships. And so, you know, you want to come out of love and compassion with, you know, the things that you say and the decisions that you make, but ultimately for the betterment of, of our chapter. And sometimes the things that we have to do, we have to do them because we adhere to, you know, our bylaws and our rules. And so some guys, you know, just disagree with you and may look at you as like, again, soft because we're a Christian male and we, you know, believe in, in Jesus and um, have a faith. And so I've kind of seen a little bit of that play out. I would say overall, they're definitely has been a lot of growth in those areas though. And in those times of, of yeah, just disagreement amongst um, you and your pledge brothers. And I've got to just been thankful, I guess, looking back of, you know, those interactions and situations that occurred that, that I was placed in, in a leadership role. And uh, we kind of got to work through those things and talk through them. And it, it really does, you know, it is hard to be 
in a leadership position just in itself, whether you're a Christian or not, just with the pressure that you have with decisions and things like that. But I would say overall, especially in the past, you know, two years, sophomore and junior year, it's been very easy. Um, and I'm thankful for the community that I've been surrounded with. And just, I'm just curious to know like, what, what sort of situation might introduce some tensions between you and some of your, your brothers in terms of some, some differences there. I'm, I'm just curious what, what kind of context or what kind of uh, state of affairs might, might cause some, some conflicts there where, where they may think, Oh my gosh, this guy's soft. Like why, why would they say that? Or what kind of, what kind of scenario comes to mind? Anything come to mind? Yeah, I think, you know, like I said, like being a pledge trainer, um, sophomore year, you know, we have, you know, a liability with, you know, the 60 freshman guys that we are in charge of. And so just a, a basic example of of one thing, you know, that we do is things like Big Brother Night that you've definitely heard of, of all, all over the U.S. And so, you know, that's obviously just a liability itself and what, you know, Big Brother can entail and what it adheres to. And so, you know, at Fight Out, we... We obviously um, are, are hand, hazing free. Um, and so we truly believe that and want to stand firm to that. And so being in a pledge trainer role, you kind of have that decision to be like, okay, do I want to continue what we've kind of done in the past or do we want to like change things up a little bit? And so last year we decided to kind of change things up and just do what we thought would be for the betterment of Fidel and betterment of our chapter. And so when we changed up just a little bit of, you know, what the night would look like and just kind of the build up to the night of what that will entail, you know, guys, when we started to tell guys in our own pledge class, like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. We started to see some retaliation and guys just sending us texts and calling us, you know, and just complaining and asking why and all this stuff like you're soft. And, and so that itself is, is something that, you know, just an example that we had to deal with. But ultimately, you know, looking back, like not saying that we save the chapter, but there are decisions that are made by execs and have been in the past that, you know, is why Fidel is still here. Absolutely. Because if you make a wrong decision on that night, you're getting suspended. Right. Right. I mean, if I look across the country, like Big Brother night, that's a night where a lot of guys end up getting in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. Right. And so. I think you're exactly right. In a leadership role, you got to you have to think about what's good long term for the chapter, not just about that event. And some of your brothers may just be thinking about that night. You got to think about okay, if it goes bad, then what? And what after that? And how? What? Then the thing after that? And the after that? And so you have a whole different framework that you have to bring to it. And, and I think because of your personal convictions, you were willing to take the risk and 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 do the right thing and so i you know i think i think some people don't really understand that it's not it's it actually may not be that the fraternity is going to ruin their son's faith but actually their son might actually have a influence in the fraternity because he's a person of faith and has certain commitments he's actually going to be salt and light in the fraternity and make it better He's going to make it a better place. He's sort of there in, in some circles, they say like on a mission, right? You're actually going to have a pretty positive influence. Have you ever had opportunities to share your faith with any of the brothers in the chapter? Yeah, I actually have. Um, and I'm just super thankful to the Lord for those opportunities to open up. And it was something really that I, you know, obviously talked about a little bit of freshman year, but really wasn't super passionate about and super that wasn't like kind of my, my main focus, my freshman year coming in. And so, you know, when I got to meet with a guy named Jordan Oaf that has been discipling me the past two years, he kind of shared the gospel in a new way that I'd never heard it 
my freshman year. And so he works for Campus Crusade here on campus and does a lot of involvements with Greek life. And that was really what kind of kickstarted kind of my ministry mindset focus of like, I believe I've always believed in Jesus and, but I've never really had like a true, I guess, conviction in sharing my faith. And so, yeah, I guess that was kind of the main focus that I ran for, for pledge trainer um, and being in that role was I want to share, you know, what the Lord has done in my life and share like, just as there's, there's better things to live for um, than this life on earth. Um, There's, there's definitely more things that this life has to offer than just what we have right now. Um, And that's eternal life. And so, yeah, I've really got the opportunity to see just growth in guys, guys younger than me, guys my age and and some guys older than me. But the, yeah, I'd say the opportunities that the Lord has opened up for me to meet up with guys one-on-one and share my faith and share the good news of Jesus. I've just been incredibly thankful for, and it's been really cool to just be put in those positions and especially just the first thing you think of is, you know, when I text a guy, is he going to text me back? And so I've just been super thankful for, you know, the guys that I've texted and them, you know, always text me back and yeah, just super thankful to the Lord that he's given me, you know, just this position and, and being able to use it for his kingdom and not for my own name. And so, you know, when you text a guy like, Hey, Hey bro, do you want to meet up um, tomorrow at our, at the union or in my room? And we can talk for a little bit and, you know, the first thing you're thinking of is he going to text me back? Um, just knowing, you know, just kind of the culture and society of today of, you know, not responding to text. And so when they, when they finally respond, it's like, yeah, dude, I'd love to like, that's just the blessing itself. And so when you really get to sit down and have that conversation and, you know, just get to really have a, a good one-on-one conversation about, you know, I like to to ask guys like where, you know, what was kind of their, the biblical background or did they grow up with the faith and, you know, just always kind of a good, transition starter into how do you know who Jesus is? And, you know, obviously the, the, everybody here has heard of Jesus and has been raised in a Christian home um, for most fraternity guys. And so it's nothing ever new, but just letting them hear it and be reminded of it, of the gospel and the good news and just letting the word convict them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having grown up in the South, I mean, we all know what it's like, right? You are a churchgoer and then there's the weekend. (laughs) And sometimes there's a disparity between what what that looks like. I mean, I was I was most certainly that way as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you in the South, you just develop expertise at being, you know, sort of two faced, right? You're one way in front of your parents and grandparents, <laughs> and then on Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, especially during football season, uh, you're a completely different person. And if your grandparents saw what you were doing at 1 a.m. on Saturday night, they might have some questions for your parents <laughs> about you. So it's really, it's such an extraordinary opportunity, I think, for you to have to be, to be salt and light, to be a person who's able to love God and love neighbor. And I think because you're in a brotherhood, they trust you. They're not suspicious of you because they know that you care about them. And to be a Christian in a fraternity is just such a massive advantage because you have access to these men that other people just don't, you know, they may not know pastors in town. They're probably not going to crew or any other campus crusade or FCA or RUF. They're probably not going to any other college ministries. And so their initial contact with a man of faith is going to be someone like you in the fraternity. 
And I'm curious to know, let's say that, let's say that a group of prospective students and parents were coming by the, the house and you wanted to tell parents that, hey, it's it's okay. It's okay for your for your son to join a fraternity. He's not gonna be he's not gonna be be ruined by it. What would you say to a, if you were standing in front of a room of parents at a church and they asked you, hey, should we let our son join a fraternity, what would you, what would you say to them in terms of why it could be really good for him? Yeah, I definitely, you know, I think there's a lot of, of good opportunity. And I think there's a lot that people don't see positively of fraternities. And, you know, that's why parents may be um, concerned with their son, you know, rushing a fraternity because all they see is the negative side of things and the negative results that may come out of, uh, of rushing a fraternity. And so, you know, I think just being open and being vulnerable with like, hey, this is experience that I've had um, in a fraternity and, you know, getting to hear positive experiences and positive comments about the fraternity and the fraternity life and what it's like to be in a chapter as a Christian, I think really says a lot about the culture that that it is it is trying to change. And there are people um, that the Lord is using to make a change and make his name known in fraternity chapters. And so, you know, I think if I was talking to, you know, my senior year self again, you know, I'd say if I was to share kind of my experiences now that there are a lot of good opportunities and a lot of good friendships and a lot of good just leadership experiences that you can have a role in, in the fraternity. And you can use that as a platform. You can use that as a, as a platform to share the name of Jesus. And I think just being able to share that with others and communicate that and know that there are people in fraternities that are following the Lord that are, that can still have fun, um, that can still enjoy the brotherhood and enjoy their friendships. And I think, yeah, just being open and, and communicating well, that there are, positive interactions and positive things that do come out of the fraternity life. And what would you say to a high school guy who's thinking about joining fraternity? He's a Christian. He's nervous about it. Not sure if he should do it. And he's wondering, you know, what kind of, what kind of attributes or characteristics or habits, like what kind of person do I need to be in order to, to properly navigate this, this culture what would you what would you say to a, a room? Let's say you were at a church at a, at a youth group and the room full of high school guys, and they're like, "Hey, uh, what do I need in order to, in order to, to to successfully rush and pledge a fraternity? What kind of as a Christian? Um, what 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 do I need to think about? What kind of person do I need to be, uh, et cetera? What, what would you say to them? Yeah, I definitely say really just know what you're looking for in a fraternity. The kind of guys that you want to be surrounded with, whether that's great guys or, or guys that are crazy, um, just either or. And so really just getting to narrow down, like, do I want to be a part of a group that's going to help me grow um, these next four years? Or do I want to be just someone who kind of stays behind the scenes and has fun? So, you know, as a Christian, a Christian guy coming in um, to a fraternity, I think you need to kind of look at just kind of the future years and start looking for guys that are either in the same grade as you that may have the same morals and the same standards and believe in the same things that you believe in, whether it may be looking at uh, guys that are older than you in the chapters you may be interested in. And I would recommend like reaching out to those guys and kind of funny enough, uh, I had a, a, a senior in high school that I reached out to a couple of weeks ago, a Christian guy that's looking to rush and 
doesn't really want to join Bucks, but wants to join um, an IFC chapter. And so, you know, just kind of texting him like, hey, would love to to hang out if you ever come up to Fayetteville. You know, he responded just like things that he's kind of looking for. He's looking for good community and just guys to be surrounded with that are that are doing that believe in the same thing that he believes in. And so, you know, I think, you know, that kind of shows a testament of like, you know, this is what this guy wants. This is what he's looking for. And he's not afraid to stand firm in what he believes in. And so for him to to reach out and, you know, to tell me that, that, that that's what he wants, that's, you know, obviously something that, you know, is what we want here at Fidel, obviously. And I think just being firm in what you believe in, there's going to be a lot of things thrown at you as you come into to freshman year of college. And you just need to learn how to, to fight those things off with the conviction of, of the Bible. If that's something that you truly believe in. I think that's exactly right. I've been saying for a couple of years now that self-confidence is really key. You've got to have self-confidence, not just in yourself, but in what you believe to be able to stand firm. And I think one of the greatest, greatest gifts that adults can give a high school guy is self-confidence so that he can walk in and do exactly what you said, which is stand firm on what he believes. Because if he has self-confidence like you do, he's going to make good decisions about the kind of chapter he wants to be in. If he doesn't have good self-confidence, what's going to happen is he's going to end up making a stupid decision because he's going to be afraid of rejection. If you were a high school male and you're afraid of rejection, you're setting yourself up to make some really dumb decisions. You've got to be willing to be rejected in order, in order to do the right thing. And and as you said earlier, to surround yourself with a bunch of other guys who are also willing to be rejected for doing the right thing and the, and the good thing makes it a lot easier. And so to find those guys early on, and it's going to take, I think you're right. I mean, it, it takes a little, you have to be a bit, a bit assertive, right? You have to sort of put yourself out there and, and push through the social anxiety of, of meeting new people, right? In order to find your, your bros who, 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 you, who you can do this with. You're going to have to actually go out and take some initiative and search that out and discover that and find out who, who those guys are. And as I've been talking to you, I'm just convinced. I'm just convinced that the narrative ought to be that maybe Christians shouldn't be encouraging their sons to join fraternities because of the potential to influence them. I'll say it like this. I think if every high school guy had a Caleb, there would be no fraternity suspensions. <laughs> I know. That's just a fact. It's true. Right? He's, a, he's a blessing. Yeah. If every high school guy had a Caleb, there would be no fraternity suspensions at the University of Arkansas. Zero. is mm-hmm. None. Right? Yeah. Any negative stereotype right. about, about Greek life would disappear if every high school guy had a Caleb. Caleb, to me, is part of the hero of the story because he set you up to be the kind of man that you are. And it's just extraordinary, brother, that you're, you're able to, to do that. And I'm, I'm just thankful to God that you have this, you have the self-confidence to not waver in, in what you believe. And I, I really just want to encourage you to continue to be, to be that guy, but to be fearless, to be fearless in that, because that's what our churches need. That's what our communities need. I mean, your wife will need that at some point. Mm-hmm. All seven of your kids, or maybe eight of your kids, or maybe your ten kids, uh, <laughs> we'll need that. We'll need that too. But you're exactly, you're exactly the kind, of, the kind of man that we need more of in Greek life. So thank you for being that. Because the the awesome thing about about what you don't realize is that your influence in some guy's life, 
you might see some fruit now, which would be be great. But sometimes you won't see the fruit until he's like 30. Mm-hmm. And you're at the reunion, right? Or it's, it's a reunion weekend. And he walks up to you and he's like a deacon in his church. <laughs> and you're like, right? Like how you mean the but I, I saw you throwing up. <laughs> like, well, my my memory of you is like a red solo cup, <laughs> right? Over there in the corner. Right. Yeah. And now you're like a deacon. He's like, Yeah, man, that conversation we had, mm. right? Like that, yeah. that's 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 going to happen. And you're gonna set his family up for generations of, of blessing that way. So anyway, yeah, I could talk about this all day and, and ramble on. I'm I'm so proud of you, man. I'm really happy for you. So glad that you joined Fidel. Fidel is a much better fraternity because you are because you were in it. And I, I want you to 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 believe that and, and know that 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 your your influence there made it better. And had you not been there, it wouldn't be as good as it is. I know it's not perfect because it's huge and you can't influence everybody, but you are certainly, certainly doing outstanding and, and good work. So I praise, praise God for you. You know, what you've done, what you've been able to do as a, as a person in leadership, not just in the chapter, but also now at the university with the IFC is, is part of the model. I mean, you're doing exactly what the Bible encourages people to do uh, by being salt and light and, and being and being a positive influence. Part of the the project that I'm doing with this heroic fraternities book is is encouraging men to use their their power and their presence and their creativity for the benefit of their brothers and those around them. And Josh, that's exactly what you're doing. And if I were your parents listening to this, I would if I were them, I would be incredibly proud of you. And really looking at you and, and 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 I tell parents, hey, there there's some people that you should not be worried about, right? There's some of your kids you might you might want to worry about. Josh is the kind of guy who's standing firm right now. I would tell your parents directly in their face that you don't have to worry about this one. Uh, this one, this one's gonna be fine. So I'm I'm really impressed with you. I think you're exactly the kind of man that we need more of it in Greek life. And if you're a high school guy listening to this and and your story sounds like Josh's story. You have the commitments that he does. Greek life needs you to put yourself out there and to join a chapter. Josh, thank you so much for giving us your story and for explaining to us exactly what it's been like to be a man who is pursuing and following Christ in the context of Greek life. And as I said earlier, we need more of this, uh, not not less of it. So I just want to encourage any parents out there who have sons who are solid, solid on their faith to encourage them to be on mission uh, while they are in Greek life. There's a lot of guys who need their, their influence, and it could really be something quite beneficial for the, whole, for the whole chapter. So Josh, thank you very much for joining us today on the Anthony Bradley Show. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I would also like to thank my Patreon supporters for their generous support of this project. If it were not for your generosity and support, this project would not be possible. You all are the most important part of this experience. Thanks to you all for joining us today on this episode of The Anthony Bradley Show. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe, and leave a comment on the various platforms where the podcast is heard. And I'll look forward to engaging you again here at the King's College in New York City on The Anthony Bradley Show. Thank you.